Blog Talk Radio.
are usually three or four people. Um, we'll be doing that show next week. So if you're looking at getting a mini reading, um, a couple minute phone uh, mini reading for free, uh, you want to call in during the astrology shows. Um, I will not be taking live calls for today's show for that purpose. Uh, so again, just future reference, always the astrology shows. This, uh, my live column reads, I really do want to stay on, on, on subject for a bit because this, like most of my columns is in a board one and I, I really want to uh, spend some time kind of talking about that and prioritizing that. So thank you uh, for your interest in calling, but definitely catch me next week if that's what your intention is. Okay. So again, this column I actually wrote back in 2010, and of course it ties in very nicely with the song lead-in that I uh, did here. So let's, uh, let me read uh, this month's snake oil. It's called We Just Disagree. I love to sing, and every month or two I find a way to get out and do karaoke with a few, friends, few of my friends. It was something... I started doing nearly 15 years ago. With practice, my singing voice has become better, and my confidence has risen along with it. I actually enjoy the opportunity to influence an audience and take center stage for a few minutes. I have a list of songs that I know I can perform really well. Yes, it's a real list, and I am a little bit of a geek. I also have an unwritten list that's far longer, songs that I could never pull off. My voice tends to be stronger with songs and keys that are on the low side. I can't comfortably reach really high notes. So this is what eliminates quite a few of the songs that I love. So I never attempt to sing them. I remember to challenge myself each time I go by doing a song that I've never done before though. I prioritize the value of stretching myself, even if afterwards I have to scratch that song off my list permanently. One of my favorite easy songs is a song from the late 70s by Dave Mason called We Just Disagree. I performed it countless times, and I can honestly say that it is one of a number of songs that I can sing flawlessly. The song has an amazing sound and a simple lyrics, but has meaning for me. It took me some time to understand the clear wisdom of the lyrics, but in my mid-30s, I finally understood its meaning. Dave Mason sings about a past relationship that didn't work out. Quote, So let's leave it alone, because we can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. I remember when one of my long-term relationships ended some years ago. We separated after almost three years together, and I was bitter. My heart was broken, and I clung to the idea that my ex was the bad guy. I believed that I was the good guy. He had an affair at the end of our relationship, so it was easy for me to convince myself, my friends and family, that I was the loyal one who had gotten screwed over. Needless to say, they sided with me and reinforced my belief that I was the good one, and he didn't deserve me. I felt supported by my friends and validated that I had been mistreated. This helped me to move through the grieving process at first. It didn't take long before I began to see things differently, though. After the anger and self-pity faded, I was able to look at the experience from what I had learned from many years of metaphysical studies. This shifted my viewpoint. When I looked at the situation through the lens of why and how I created this, I began to see that I had also contributed 
to the collapse of the relationship. After two years into the relationship, I had begun to withhold affection and was simply falling out of love. I was often finding myself irritated by many aspects of his personality. When I took an honest look at what had happened, I began to see it was completely uh, I began to see it from a completely enlightened point of view. I could see that the joy in the relationship was no longer there, and it needed to end for both of us. We were each moving in different directions. There was no good guy. There was no bad guy. There was only the two of us, and we were just not in sync anymore. His affairs were simply the tangible excuse for both of us to break away. Since that time, I have found it easier to see all of the relationships I have explored from a similar, enlightened perspective. This has been tremendously empowering, and I no longer participate in the illusion of victimization. Upon a time, I worked in a restaurant where some controversy started to brew around a year after we opened. The restaurant was not as successful as the owner had initially planned. He was not able to give head chef some of the profits he believed he would have theoretically acquired by now. This contributed to the chef finding himself dealing with some difficult financial struggles. The owner was struggling as well, but had some help from family and was less strained financially than the chef was. He was also more patient and willing to give things time to grow. The chef grew angry and felt victimized. The situation became progressively toxic. Many of the people that I worked with began to talk about how the owner had screwed over the chef. A few people thought that the chef was a bad guy and ungrateful. It was uncomfortable for me to be around all of this opinionated, spec- opinionated speculation. It seemed that everyone around me was taking sides and wanted me to see where they were right and who the bad guy truly was. It was clear to me that the owner had overestimated how much money he would bring in and was overly optimistic in what he could deliver. The chef was impatient and, while very talented and creative, was a bit of a martyr, times and circumstances where he had gotten screwed over by others. People often steal to make up for what should be theirs, and the chef did a bit of this to balance the scales. Eventually, things resolved when the chef left the job. Still, there was some bad vibes left behind over the whole situation, and many people were still convinced that they were on the side of the good one. When we're willing to detach from taking sides and think things from the who is the good one and who is the bad one point of view, we can shift into a more evolved perspective. Now, some people take another extreme perspective in situations like this. Rather than decide that someone is the bad guy, They beat themselves up for getting caught in situations over someone who is a terrible person. Their focus is more self-deprecating and often centers around how stupid they were for not being able to see what was happening. They intensely berate themselves for their stupidity and how they should have known better. Listen, this is equally toxic and also of little value. Even if we did screw up and not see the signs or get out sooner, There's always wisdom in forgiving ourselves and the parties involved. Difficult experiences are sometimes part of our learning process. If we all had the answers without physical experience, there would be no need for life on the physical plane. Forgiveness is always the key in all cases. We don't need to continue a relationship with someone we distrust. However, it's always beneficial to purge ourselves of rehashing the experience and holding on to anger. 
wisdom and maturity are about releasing the idea of taking sides. When we let go of self-recrimination and stubbornly hating someone forever for what they did to us or didn't do for us, we're free to be happy again. It's not only far wiser, but ultimately freeing to let go of the illusion of sides. And if that's too difficult for some people to do, then I suggest just singing a little song. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. Oh, oh, oh. I had to go into my singing voice there. Okay, so that's the column. Uh, I'm going to take just a brief one-minute pause here. I need to call back into my show because my phone is dying here. Whole other issue, so I will be back in just two minutes. If you're listening, please be patient. We call back into my own show here. Okay, back into the show here. Yeah, no, I, I have to laugh. I'm going to the column in just a minute here, but I, I have um, the way the, the, the show works, just so you guys know if you're listening to other shows who blog talk radio, for the most part, it's not really a studio setting. We're actually calling in for our own homes or other places. It's kind of you operate the, the uh, switchboard through your computer. It's actually a very cool process, by the way. Um, so what's funny is uh, I had this issue this morning, too. I've got this phone. A lot of times it doesn't sit on the cradle right and it doesn't recharge. Um, or I had a phone set so before then I didn't get time to recharge it up. And, uh, and then when I pick it up, I, after a couple of minutes of talk, I start hearing that beep, beep, beep sound telling me that my phone's going to die. So uh, I'm calling back in for my cell phone here. But uh, what's really funny is I had this happen this morning, too, with a client. First thing in the morning, phone appointment, and you know, five minutes into the session, I hear that beep, beep sound, and I had to call call her back from my cell phone, but I couldn't get the number. It was just a pain in the ass. So uh, it just kind of had to laugh because this happened again. And, and the comical part of it is, is I, I just need to go out and buy another phone. Um, typical and standard of the people that are Taurus rising, and I would be classic example of that. Um, I'll hold on to something until it just absolutely dies. Um, and the funny part of it is, I'm, you know, financially and in a practical way, I'm making good money. I'm, I'm totally fine financially. There's no big deal for me to buy another phone. I just don't even seem to think of it like I forget it. I keep using the broken thing. It's like putting on a pair of socks and it holes in it. As opposed to just buying some freaking new socks, you know. So uh, anyway, I got to do that tomorrow. But uh, on that side note, let's come back to the column read again. This was actually a repeat column. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I laugh because, as I said in the piece, um, really it, it's one of these songs, I've got about maybe six or seven of them. This, is, this, I would say, is probably the number one that when I do, I just, anyone who knows the song is often floored. They're like, you just, that's the song. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like I can almost do a T. In fact, that's what, we, I was an art major in college. And uh, I actually am pretty talented artistically, so it was a couple of areas, you know, where I have those kind of skills, um, including somewhat with singing. But I sing well when I can replicate a song. I did the same thing when I was an artist. I would look at a photograph and I could replicate the photograph artistically in pen and ink or paint. But that teachers would get frustrated with me because I was so um, anal about making reproducing it in a way that was really, really, um, you know, almost like photographic. Uh, not really was ever a big proponent or fan of um, abstract art. I'm very impressed by abstract artists because I don't have that gift. <laughs> so uh, anyway, same thing with, yeah, there's, like I can do rhinestone cowboy also too, like almost flawlessly as well. But I think what drew, drew me to this song was, 
you know, you know one, of the, one of the biggest topics that I end up talking about with clients, uh, whether in home and office or whether by phone, I mean, there's no real difference in that way, um, is that, you know, it's about relationships. Again, listen, this is an area in life where people tend to get really, really um, excited and also frustrated. And, you know, I've, I've been no different. You know, in my 20s and even up until my mid-30s, I you know, used to jokingly say I was truly a relationship junkie. I had, you know, it was one relationship after another. I was living with a roommate who I had feelings for, sometimes reciprocal, sometimes not. Um, had a, you know, always had a best friend, always had kind of some type of intimate kind of relationship connection going on at multiple levels. Uh, so really through much of the... Much of my life, even through childhood, it was sort of like a natural arena for me. Um, sun in the seventh house on the cusp of the eighth house for my astrology knowledgeable listeners. Um, so I got a life force. You know, but, but, you know, and an interesting change of events is, you know, since my mid to late 30s, you know, for the last almost decade, I've actually been single. Um, you know, I've dated, but I really can't say that I've had any real long-term relationship marriages in, in almost a decade now. I mean, I think because I just so OD'd on it when I was younger that I kind of switched years. Um, and, you know, I'm always open to that happening again, but I'm also kind of at a place in my life where I'm kind of happy either way. I mean, I love having an intimate partnership and relationship, but there's tremendous benefits to being single as well, too. So I, I kind of have a very different focus on that than I did uh, years ago, uh, sometimes maybe a little too detached around that particular matter. But uh, so, you know, when I wrote this column a couple of years ago, um, you know, it really brought up a lot uh, of, of, of themes and issues that I think we all go through at some level because, you know, the weird part of any type of a relationship breakup is you actually really more often than not, you almost have to go through a difficult period uh, or breakdown, so to speak, in order for it to end. Like, I mean, in the larger picture of us creating our own reality. And, and uh, as I always tell people, whether we believe we create a reality or not, we still do. We don't change that fact uh, in, in any way. Um, so, you know, it, it, whether it's a relationship or a job, the weird part is the antagonism and the difficulty is meant to be the very thing that pushes us to break away and make a change. So, you know, sometimes we'll go through this in a relationship. Again, you can look at this from a job situation, too, where we get pissed off at a job or we're frustrated and we finally leave in a huff or we get fired or we quit. But at a deeper level, there's some part of us that does want to break from that. Same thing with, with relationships. It may not seem that way. You know, even if you left a relationship where you truly love that person and they did something to you and you, you wish you could still be with them, you know, the truth is that we're not really owning another part of ourselves which may know that for our own reasons we needed to propel ourselves away from that. You know, and on the positive side, it may be that we're meant to have a period where we're alone and then we find that there's, quite, there's a joy in that. Well, what most people end up having is, you know, you end, a relationship ends, a marriage ends, a partnership ends. And then you end up getting with someone else down the line that's way more fitting and in alignment with who you are, and then you're very happy. So, again, kind of in the weird part is how could you have gotten to the, the, the next right person had you not had the problems that sprung from the previous situation? So what I'm kind of getting at is, is there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting mad, being angry, getting pissed off, getting upset when a relationship comes to an end. Now, I definitely recommend keying someone's car 
we're doing some other ridiculous thing because that's not only illegal and damaging, but um, childish. You know, I mean, I think we, you know, listen, we're all human beings. When someone hurts us, we we have fantasy thoughts at some level of doing something bad. But if you're a functioning person, hopefully you don't do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, anyone that's got a, a, a dose of Scorpio in their chart or heavy eighth house astrologically knows what I'm talking about. You can concoct some vicious plans in your head. Uh, I, I recently had a someone, uh, I got my first really, really bad review on Yelp, someone uh a client I saw that even after she left a couple of months ago, I had taken notes from it and had said it was a really difficult session. I didn't feel like I was able to help her. She was very blocked up. She was very critical. She wrote a really brutal review of my uh, services on, on Yelp. And, you know, in a larger picture, it doesn't really matter. I've got lots of really good reviews. One negative review is not going to really affect anything in the larger picture, but the human part of me wanted to kind of destroy her and decimate her verbally, and you know what I mean. It was, it was really pretty crappy, what what she did, and and she was really wrong about a lot of things. She said one of her complaints was that I, when she came into my home office, dishes in my sink. I took her late night because she was coming in from another state and had to leave the next morning. And I normally don't work at seven thirty eight at night, but I took her because she really was eager to do it, and I had just eat, finished eating dinner. Was, was I supposed to hide the dishes in my closet? Um, ludicrous. You know what I mean? And then I thought, what are you looking at my kitchen for? You walk into my home, it's a small hallway, the kitchen's to the left, and then you immediately go into my office. I mean, what are you looking at my, the dishes in, my, in the sink in the first place for? I mean, what, you know, ludicrous. But, uh, but, you know, I, I understand the feeling that comes up when someone does something kind of brutal with a part of us that wants to retaliate. But I think, like, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is in the larger picture of things, um, we can get caught up in that victim posture around it, and even if we really, really were mistreated. And in some cases, we really, really were. I don't want to minimize that. People have gone through some really horrific situations with relationships with ex-husbands and sperm donors and, uh, lousy wives, and you know, you know, I have a buddy of mine that I uh, work, I worked out with at my gym for many years. Very good friend of mine, and um, I remember once something very profound. He had a you know at the time when I first became friends with him, he had about a 17 year old son, and I had asked about where the mother was in the picture, and he answered with he said, well, she had drug issues and addiction issues, and even at a fairly young age. When, when his son was young, they had divorced and separated because it was too toxic. And I said, oh, so I said that kind of sucks that he doesn't really, you know, have the help or benefit of, of really having a mom in his life in a strong way. And he said to me, no, I don't look at it. I look at it from the perspective that because she backed out and was unavailable emotionally and psychologically, I was lucky enough to get to be the one to have him really more or less to myself. And I, I thought, again, very enlightened point of view because you can spend years being frustrated at what she should or shouldn't have done, or you can look at it from another angle and, and, and consider the uses of adversity. So he got to be the primary parent, and, you know, so what? That was the loss that she agreed to take. So we always do have a choice in, in how we view things, but the kind of point that I'm getting at is, you know, we, we shouldn't feel bad if we do have to go through the brief toxic period. I know that. I went through that with my ex, with the cheating. It really was horrific. I wanted to get into detail about it. It wasn't just a couple of cheatings. It was a lot. Um, and, and repeatedly. 
Um, and, uh, but, you know, I finally reached my saturation point, and, you know, I was mad for a little while, but I was actually pretty good about it. In fact, it was funny because about a month after we had broken up, I went on a blind date with someone very cute and really amazing, and, and oh, my God, did I ruin that date. I spent the whole day going on and on about what an ass my ex was and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I spent the whole day going on, big chunk of it, really just complaining about an ex. So, you know, it really was foolish. And, you know, and after the date, um, I actually, a couple of days later, I called and I said, I want to apologize. What's with that? That's such a voicemail saying, I'm so sorry. Here you are, an attractive human being, someone I would like to see again. And I wasted the date by going on about my ex. And, and he never called me back. And I, I totally respect that. Why would you? Um, you know, I wouldn't want to be subjected to that. But So I went through that brief period like everybody else does of the anger. But when I stepped back and I really began to look at things in the larger picture, I mean, the cheating was just really a symptom of something else. Um, we had really, really drifted apart. It, it was not, you know, we were not really in sync anymore. Um, we were living together, and I liked living with someone. He hated it. He just didn't like it. He, you know, one of these type of people that just wants to date till the end of time. Um, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it just, I wanted to go to that next stage and that next step, and when we did, there was resentment around that. And it was really, we really were not. We were rarely intimate anymore. There was really um, a huge change that had happened, and, and I think we both were in denial of that and, and resistant to it. And so the cheating was just a symptom to help propel us away from it, you know. So, uh, like I said, I, can, I, can, I don't have – I can honestly say, like, all of the exes that I have, I have no anxiety or anger toward. Um, and, I, and I've had some even more brutal circumstances than that. But I, I just don't want to waste my time with that. In fact, I've, I've said this in other shows, and I really like to reiterate this point, that if you're struggling with anything like this, sing the little song. But, um, you know, another way to approach it is, you know, whenever you're feeling that anger and that frustration and that sadness come up, you know, there's a very good mantra that works to kind of heal this. And the mantra is just simply this. You say, I'm willing to release the part of me that's irritated when I think of this. So you're not necessarily trying to make something that was toxic into something pretty. You know, we don't have to go into New Age cuckoo land and, and pretend that everything is sunshine, roses, and lollipops. You know, listen, sometimes what somebody did was really shitty. You know, and, and, that's, and that's okay. It's the, it's the letting go of that part of it. It's the not continuing to keep focusing on it. It's actually owning that it was not, it was crappy, it was toxic. And then saying, okay, how much can I keep complaining about that factor? So that's where the shift occurs. And it is really the best way to heal any type of toxic situation because you can't really convince yourself otherwise, meaning, listen, if you... You know, if you had someone who hurt one of your children or did something even more brutal than that, listen, it's a tougher thing to do. But um, the constant focus on a lifetime of anger and resentment is not only physically um, going to make you sick, where you will have probably very likely have health issues and various other things that will come your way from all that toxicity brewing, but also it's unnecessary because why waste your time 
being mad about what somebody did, you know, 15 years ago. I remember, you know, years ago when I was a kid, one of my first jobs, I worked in a cafeteria restaurant in um, Long Island, uh, the old Bethpage State Park. Uh, <laughs> I actually worked there as a cafeteria manager in the mornings around all the golfers. And there was an old woman, she's probably deceased now, because this is, this is 30 years ago, 30 years ago, um, when I was at two. <laughs> There's a little lie. Uh, but, uh, when, you know, 30 years ago when I was like 19. Um, and there was a woman that, that used to kind of, the, the woman on the grill, Ginny, she was the one who cooked eggs on the grill, and she was a riot. But she was very cynical and very dark. And I remember I had asked about, she had a daughter, and I asked about whether she had ever been married. And she said she had a husband for a good 10 years, but when she was 10, the daughter was 10, the husband went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back. Like the literal classic cliche story of the husband going for a pack of cigarettes and never returning. And she just went on about all this, what a bastard he was and all this other stuff too. And I kind of thought to myself, two things. I thought, one, um, you know, 10 years later, you're still kind of going on about the husband that walked away from you. I mean, you know, I mean, it sucks, but bye. You know, I don't even know what to, how many like 10 years of your life can be bemoaning what, what somebody did. I mean, that's kind of silly. Um, I get it, you know, from a situation like that. It may take a couple of years or months or to get through it, but 10 years later, you're still going on. You know, on another level, and I say this with brutal humor, Sagittarius, what a shocker. Um, I don't know, maybe I don't blame him. She was pretty miserable and difficult. You know, I never really would advocate walking away from a child, though. That, to me, is, is really, that's questionable. But her? Uh, I don't think I could have lived with her either, too. I'd have had to, I would have had to kill her, you know. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, it is, it's interesting to me how long people will, will, will hang on to things in that sense. And I guess that's what really initially drew me to the song, that great kind of late 70s sound. I think it was like 79 or so, 78 maybe when that came out, um, that whole kind of sound. But just drew me to it. I, 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 like I said, I can, I am definitely good at it. I can sing that song really, really well uh, in that sense. But I, I have this meaning behind it for me. Because even in the song, and if you listen to the song, there's a point where he says, um, let's see if I can drum this up out of my head kind of randomly here, but there's a point where he sort of says, um, uh, like, it's almost like he's like, have you been, um, he says, he literally says, have you been, uh, have you changed your style? And then he immediately, like, even in the middle of the song, he switches gears um, and says, why should I care? And I think that's sort of beautiful illustration of what we end up going to internally. Because even when we're trying to turn the corner in a positive way, sometimes that anger resurfaces again, and we feel, yeah, I shouldn't even care in the first place. Why am I being nice to you? You know. So uh, again, like I said, we're human beings. We we have to contend with our lower selves and our higher selves, and you know, you can look at it from the angle of the different chakras of the body. And yeah, listen, honor your lower self, meaning. You know, you have to understand that that deep kind of intense part of ourselves that's reactive. Um, like I said, I, when I, I mentioned the story about the client who wrote the scathing review on the website about me, you know, it really did. I mean, it really triggered a little anger in me and and uh, definitely some hurt. Um, it was a, really a brutal attack 
and, and really unfounded at, at multiple levels. But it is her point of view and her perspective. I have to recognize that there's probably some people over the years that didn't like a reading that I gave them or, you know, or um, the way that I delivered it. They just didn't go to so much trouble to deliver that anger um, you know, publicly. But uh, she's Virgo, by the way, so uh, she kind of got caught in the Virgo negative side of, of criticism. There's a positive side to that, too, for you, Virgo. So I don't want any angry letters or a call saying that I shouldn't put Virgos down. I got plenty of Virgo in my chart as well, too, so critical eye can be a useful thing. I did. I had to kind of catch myself in that. And, you know, and again, in kind of the larger picture, as frustrating as it was, you know, I've, business has been very good for me. Uh, reached a very successful point in my career and where I'm at. If it were to hamper my business even in a slight way, which it probably really won't, that's okay. You know, I, uh, that's okay. You can't really expect to walk through life and not have people who are offended by us at, at some level. That, to me, is kind of really sort of silly. It's, you know, everyone isn't going to love you, and, and why would you want them to? You know, we don't really, I mean, that, that becomes kind of a, you know, a, it's kind of an endless battle. And getting back to the whole thing with relationships in general, you know, think of it this way, guys and girls. Um, I worked in a restaurant years ago where sometimes I would go up to the tables, I'd say, when I was a waiter, and I'd say, how are we doing tonight, guys? And I had a waitress that I worked with who said, you've got to stop doing that. You can't call people guys. That'll, that, that's going to offend people. Call them folks. And I was like, I can't say the word folks. It just seems like I'm talking to a bunch of 117-year-olds. You know, I don't know. I just think the word guys sort of implies the idea that it's, there's a little bit of a familiarity, but like a friendly kind of tone. Anyway, she, she gave me going to shit about that, meaningless. But anyway, so one of the things that, I, I, you know, I, I encountered with, with, that, uh, with that, that, that criticism in the first place, of course, was, was to get uh, a little bit reactive with her telling me how I should necessarily do it. But uh, in truth, you know, that was her point of view. That was, that was, her, that was her opinion. Um, you know, it's valid from, from that angle, but I kind of have a way that I talk, and I think a lot of people kind of like the way that I talk. And again, if I end up offending a customer or something like that, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, that's really something to be really bizarre that you'd be that offended by. But if that's your choice, listen, I'm not going to make everybody happy. Not everyone's going to love me in that sense. You know, it's different if you're going out of your way to be toxic. <laughs> you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game. But point I'm getting back to, so you can, if anyone knows anything about astrology, you can see how Sagittarian I am, because this is where the Sagittarian head works. It's like you go down one road, and then you sidetrack to another road, and then you come back to the original road and, you know, talk about the storytellers. Um, but getting back to your point, I think we have to remember that. Not every relationship that we have is necessarily meant to last for a lifetime. In fact, most are not. You know, listen, if you have a child... Um, that's one of those type of relationships that typically is going to last a lifetime. If you're a mother or your father, uh, through all the ups and downs that may occur, I mean, it's a life commitment. But when it comes to mating and relationships and friends and other things and coworkers and stuff, listen, not every relationship is meant to be for a lifetime. We change, we grow, people move, people, people shift gears, people move in a different direction. Um, you know, I, I, I have a client that I'm still somewhat friends with through Facebook and she's a wonderful person, and I was somewhat friends with her, and she was also who is really kind of a somewhat hardcore kind of Bible thumper now. 
some of the posts I see she does on Facebook are a little bit like, Ugh. you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with the Bible as long as it's kept in its proper context to understand that this book of stories and allegations and, and, and allegories, allegations, allegories, taking it completely up compulsively, literally is weird, kind of a baby soul thing. But some mature souls and young souls do it too. Um, but, you know, listen, I, I still, she's still my friend. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, like I said, people change. I may not hang out with her in the way that I did, and I don't. She, she lives in another state anyway, so we can't. But I don't have to drop someone off the earth because we've moved in a different direction. But I can also come to a realization that that's actually kind of a natural process and part of life. That we, you know, you know, you hear the old uh, proverbial New Age expression that the universe supports a vacuum, which means, you know, when, when something ends, something will come to fill and take its place. But how can something take its place if, you know, the, 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 the thing that was ready there didn't end? You know, that to me is, is a really kind of important uh, distinction to understand about that dynamic. Things, um, you know, in the larger picture kind of have to go through a dual process. Now, in an ideal world, a relationship would end harmoniously. You know, and, and that's the funny part. When I broke up with my ex, who I had lived with and who cheated on me and all that jazz, the weird part is this had a very easy breakup in the sense that we actually were very conscientious about giving up the things we shared together. He took his original stuff from the relationship. I took most of my original stuff, the things we bought together. You know, it was like, why don't you take the table? I'm going to keep the computer. You know, like, and in fact, the, the weirdest part of it was um, – he had had a, uh, a cat for about seven, eight years when we had gotten together. And um, I, you know, he had that cat from when I was a baby. And, uh, and um, when we dated and lived together, when we broke up, I kept the cat in the quote-unquote divorce, <laughs> which a lot of people thought to be very strange. But the reason that I kept the cat was kind of twofold. I have a home office. I work at home. I kind of have a really magical touch when it comes to animals. I mean, oh, God, it's nauseating how much um, dogs and cats um, like me. Um, I can say that with, with real truth. I love them. I treat them very well. You know, I always turn my cats into dogs anyway, too. I roughhouse with them, and they love it, and very cute. But in, in that in that breakup, I kept the cat. You know, I think at another level, he had done that, too, because that would have allowed him to still kind of come by and visit and, you know what I mean, and have the cat as an excuse for that. So I don't, I'm not in delusion about that. that was not part of it. But also it had to do with decision his part, too, about where really, really where is the better home for the animal to be. So I had that cat for the last seven, eight years of its life, and he died. Monty died about, uh, about eight or nine years ago. And, um, you know, that was uh, well, maybe not eight or nine years ago, but seven years ago. Um, and that was cool, you know. I mean, that that, that was really can be the poster children from an, uh, poster children. Well, children is kind of a silly word. Uh, <laughs> we can uh, we could truly be the poster child for um, an amicable divorce. You know, the weird part is because we weren't legally married. So, but even if we were, I still think we would have done it in a harmonious way. There really wasn't much attack around our stuff. It just sort of became what made the most sense. And it actually was kind of a sit-down agreement type of a bargain situation. So uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that. That was, a, that was a healthy divorce, so to speak. So if I partner again and 
I, I hope I will be able to do that even at a higher level. But I'd also like to say that maybe the next time I, I get in a relationship, it could, you know, last longer, uh, possibly for the rest of the life or even just a longer time in general. But uh, like I said, that's the key. I think no matter what you're going through, guys, um, be really conscientious of that. We, we really can get caught up in that trap of who's the good one or who's the bad one. And even if, there, even if you can produce evidence that you're the better one and the other person is the bad one, why? In the larger picture, really, where does that necessarily take us uh, in that sense? And when we get caught up in that trap of being angry, we, we do, we often block ourselves from meeting and connecting with other people because we're still caught up in that trap. And then by the same token, you know, here's another thing that I had mentioned this in the piece too. Getting caught up in obsessive self-criticism, I'm so stupid, I shouldn't have done this, I should have known better, I should have seen, you know, listen, don't do that either. We're human beings, we make mistakes, we make mistakes, we grow and we become potentially better hopefully, from those mistakes. You know, we didn't know. You kind of have to go in with every relationship assuming it's going to be the love of your life at some level. That's kind of, you know, that's natural. Uh, But I do think there's a wisdom in catching yourself and not getting so caught up in delusion at the same time, keeping your eyes open. Very Neptunian principle. And uh, maybe I'll talk a bit about that subject in another show. I think I'm going to do some astrology shows focusing on specific planetary energies to kind of educate my listeners that way because it's cool information to get. Okay, looks like we're running the clock because down here. Uh, again, my apologies if you want to call in. Uh, I just really I try not to do call-ins during the uh, column show because I want to stay kind of on task and subject. And I love taking the call in. Um, I will be doing that uh, next week on the astrology. See, the next week or the week after. I think it's next week. And then also, by the way, um, you know, get on my email mailing list, VenturaSag at Yahoo.com, or sign up for alerts through uh, Blog Talk Radio either way. Um, I'll be doing an interview with Alaric, uh, um, uh, who is a, a teacher and a, and a healer and a Toro reader, um, on September 11th, I believe is when we're going to be doing an interview show. And he's going to do live calls as well. He's a very cool guy to talk to. Um, I think you get some real insight from him as well. So check that out on the 11th. Okay, we're at the end of our show here. So thank you for joining me today. Um, This is Jim Ventura. Again, I should be back here next week for another show uh, on our astrology show. So I hope we'll catch you next time. And uh, and, uh, thank you for joining me today. And uh, I wish everyone an awesome evening. If it's evening where you are, cheers.